This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Another week of programming, folks. We're in Toronto on main campus. Hello. A good day to you. Good day to you. Happy Monday. Thank you. Happy Monday. And tomorrow, a happy Tuesday for Christine St. Clair from Canada Soccer because it's her last game. Oh, man. A lot going on there. You know, when you think about it, them renaming BC Place where the game is taking place. The uh, Christine uh, St. Clair Center, I think, is the, the, the name off the top of my head. Just for the day. Just to recognize. But... Can you imagine what it's like when you know it's your last? And I heard some comments from her about the pictures taken, the group gathering and taking mm. pictures and just how they've seen so much change in Canada ladies' soccer over the time she's been a part of the team. And we know she'll carry that on going forward. Yeah, it's always so rough watching as fans or just anybody, honestly. Like when I was um, watching a couple of UFC matches that were the final matches for people and them taking their, their gloves off at the end, the fighters, and how emotional it gets. And uh, it's it's hard. It's so hard. And we've been talking yeah. about it for a while with Christine, but we already know that the actual day, the actual game, the actual energies are going to be different. Well, and it's different than... You know, like when some NBA or like when Kobe, the late Kobe, passed away and, and he went on the last season going around and every city fans turned out really to, you know, bye Kobe, that kind of thing. Mm. You know, you, you have a whole season to do that. But, you know, international play is just so different. And when someone says, I'm hanging up, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. I'm out of here. And you know they're not. There's going to be asked to do so many things. I mean, well, you know, he, gone, she's, yeah. no, and she's already getting job offers, coaching elsewhere. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of cool. And, you know, whatever she moves on to, boy, what joy, what experience, what mentorship and what she did for the Canadian team. So really wonderful. And Fedora's off to Christine St. Clair last game tomorrow. So do check that out, especially if you're a fan, even if you're not just... Just what a good feeling around. Mm. Let's see what we've got coming up on today's program for you. Luggage tracking is finally going to get easier on Canadian flights. Grant Hardy, he's going to discuss how shortly. We're going to be meeting uh, AMI apprentice Andrew Matthews. He's telling us what he's been working on at his time with AMI, specifically AMI Audio and the podcast crew. Oh, that's so exciting. Looking forward to the chat with Andrew. And also on the program on Know Your Rights today, Danielle McLaughlin has a conversation with Professor Ron Buehling today. And we're going to be talking about how to make cities more accessible. That's coming up in Hour 2 of Kelly and Ramya. So right around that corner over there, the holiday season is coming, folks, and it might be challenging to keep up with healthy eating habits. Dietitian and nutritionist Maya Feller has some advice and intentional choices. I want you to actually consider the holiday as you're going into it. Double up on your vegetables. That's going to be so wonderful for your body. I also really want you to make sure that you're well-nourished. Don't skip meals, right? There are a lot of times that we go into these events and we're like, I'm going to save up. Don't do that. I want you to nourish your body throughout the day and go in so that you can make mindful and intentional choices. 
I don't want to forget. So vegetables right off the top. What, what, about what a them? good suggestion because it's been that struggle I've always had. And, and, you know, I have to remind myself, yeah, a little more veggies, a little more about tons of fruit. I'm, all, I'm good with that. Uh, veggies, though, that's and, and we know from our tr nutritionist to eat a lot of that. But rum, how many times have you said, yeah, but <sighs> I'm ready for this big meal I saved up. Yeah, I mean, didn't need anything else today. Every every year, <laughs> that's what usually happens. I, I'm actually surprised that she pointed that out <laughs> at all. But it's true. <laughs> Around the holiday season, you're like, okay, big meal today, big meal tomorrow. You're practically not even eating lunch or breakfast anymore because you're full from the night before. But Don't honestly, even buy groceries, right? <laughs> yeah, I find that um, people try to sneak in vegetables with these charcuterie boards and such. Like, here are some grapes and peppers and like raw vegetable plates. No thanks. You don't but, like that, right? You don't like that. No. Um, I hate when green pepper throws me off because I'm not a green pepper person at all. And people will sneak it onto something. I get even bothered on a pizza. Put it in the but stew when you get a rock, cover yeah, it that's in glaze. exactly. Like, do something Hide nice. it somewhere. Yeah. Let yeah. me wonder. Mm, yeah. And what's chili? that elusive yeah. taste? Mm. What was that? Nothing. Well, yeah, I, th I think you should put a lot of it in chili. <laughs> Just tons of it. Since I don't eat that, I don't have to worry about it, right? So uh, she also mentions, Ramya, to upset you even further since I knew you'd make that kind of smart aleck remark. She also says, be mindful and intentional about drinking alcohol during the holidays. Rum. What rum, do you mean? Rum. Yeah. That's that's not that's not advice. I don't even know what that means. What's mindful and intentional? Yes. That's what I mean. That's what I'm she's trying to tell you. Ramya, drinking I know alcohol. you've never heard this. That's right. There's but a lot she says, of family. Be mindful. Time. So don't drink till you're unaware of what you're drinking. I'm aware of how much I'm drinking during the holidays. Not if you drink too much. I'm still aware. Then you might not be as aware. <laughs> Especially the next day when you get the headache. It's going in though. Just drink your water, people. That's my advice. That's real advice. And 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 what's the other advice? The advice I used to get was just whatever you do, don't mix because then you become a real oh, yeah. pain. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Yeah. Like we're not don't in college mix. anymore. Okay. We grown up. Yeah. About but you still, if you mix them up, you'd yeah, still exactly. be, a, be a nuisance, right? But your experience, oh, you know, we're sounding very judgy. That. Okay. No judgments. Do what you got to do to no hang out with your family. Are we get oh, during the holidays? Oh, oh, oh. It's a good thing your mom never watches because then she'd be jumping out of her chair saying, "Is that what you want people to think? That's what we do." Remember, we started talking about this in November with Laura Bain. She's the right. one who brought it up originally. I'm just uh, hopping off, hopping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments. We're going to talk about a few things, some breaking news today with Michael Babcock, but a new product called Dorito Silent. This is something to be mindful of, especially, well, I guess it's kind of a good thing because apparently it reduces the crunch people hear when others are eating chips. You know, they're saving up all day and Rummy gets six or seven bags of chips to go through. How does this work? Michael Babcock, he's here in a moment to explain. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Michael Babcock going to be joining us in a couple minutes. We gave him a quick shout just to make sure everything was a go. And we were discussing coffee. Um... The fact that I have, as I've said on this program, Ramya, numerous cups, telling Ramya she will get that way now that she's having her, her black coffee. Lies. But we get talking about people who are miserable without that cup. Now, I will say I'm certainly not miserable before I have a cup of coffee. Really? I enjoy it. Oh, no, 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 no. But I still support what, exactly what you're saying because I do know a lot of people that, I'm not even alive until I have my cup of coffee. Truly. But I submit 
Those people were probably like that at five years old before they were allowed to drink coffee. I think probably their family said, here, drink coffee, shut up. Stop being so miserable before you like even get out of bed. I mean, that's a that's a psychological question. I really do wonder about that because it's true. There are a few of us like me who can last half the day without coffee, but then, you know, you know, it's still performance enhancing. But mm -hmm. then there's some of us who cannot wake up until coffee. How many cups of yeah. coffee? I don't want to go there, but, but can't. But let's be fair. Let's say I'm sure there's that same quotient of people who have to take their shower first thing in the morning before they feel alive but, too and wake up. They need that cold in their face. Is that the same though? Caffeine running through your bloodstream, a nice sure it's shower still, in the it's morning. It's still a perceived addiction that you need. Coffee's an addiction for sure, but you yeah, would need substance. that at any point, right? You mm. need to have it in that day at some point. I guess routine is what you're saying, right? I think so. And yeah. what we believe works for us. Well, that's fair. The mind over matter. Room. Yeah. Shower definitely first thing in the morning, not lasting a night. Anyway, let's move to our tech talk of the week with Michael Babcock. App news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Romeo. Android users rejoice, Michael, because uh, two apps, or at least one component mm. of an app and another app, is now available on Android. Yes, and uh, super exciting about that. Uh, I am I am curious. We're going to have to talk about this one of these times. Uh, but, you know, when when you're getting your doorbell played and your screen reader crashes, got to love that panic. Oh, uh, seeing oh AI... gosh. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Thank yeah, you, sir. Yeah, I'm sure there's some stories there. Transparency is oh, key. Yeah. Yep. Well, especially when people know because, oh, they're rambling on about something for 10 minutes. One of them, screen reader went, ah. <laughs> Except when it's Kelly and I, we just ramble, period. But, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could, the screen, re the screen reader wants us to be quiet, too. And we've got our screen reader set to ramble. Seeing AI is now on Android. So there's a news article on the doubletaponair.com website that you can get information about this. But if you go to seeingai.com slash Android, all lowercase, that will take you to the Google Play Store where you can actually download the Seeing AI application. Um, from what I have heard of the demos, I have not installed this on Android yet, but you can do the quick text, the documents, you can scan products. It also has the uh, light detector, so you can. Uh, there is an accessible light detector now on Android. I get colors and scene detection, which means mm. the scene description will let you chat with it because it is this AI thing. And, nice. Uh, so you have that ability like you have in seeing AI on the iPhone. Be My AI is also rolling out to Android devices today. Uh, there's a couple hundred thousand devices that it's becoming available. And one thing that I want to let people know about Be My AI and the scene description with seeing AI, seeing AI on iPhone and Android, that's so weird to say, uh, is the camera picks up more than you might think it does which is kind of interesting because you're like how does it know that i'm wearing this color of shorts and then you realize that your legs in, in the bottom of the picture <laughs> that <laughs> so, is always a bit of a shock you're like oh no hope you didn't yeah. send it out already you know before cropping or <laughs> exactly exactly you know that that, that but uh super exciting that, mm -hmm. that this is coming available to android 
Um, and I, I will leave it as a teaser for 2024. Um, some of my content is going to be more Android focused again, come in January. So yeah, because finally we'll apps are coming to Android. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. Forever. Didn't this whole whole process start out by us saying, hey, let's talk more about Android? Yeah. And then we've been talking about the iPhones. Yeah, because so. like mm-hmm. I can't believe how long it's taken for seeing AI to come onto Android devices. Like it feels Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like that is, is long. Is. Like years. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. I think we were supposed to talk about this last week and didn't get to it. What is set app? So Setup is a service that you can subscribe to to get access to 240-plus Mac and iOS applications. Um, Mm. At setapp.co, you can uh, try the uh, service out for seven days, which is really nice because you can install whatever apps in the Setapp toolbox, see if they work for you during the trial, and uh, then be able to see, of course, in a lot of importance for us, uh, the accessibility of that application as well. They say, think of a task you'd like to complete and just open Setapp. Search by the task and install to get things done. It does not work that easily for me with VoiceOver, (laughs) but um, you can browse the categories of different applications in Setapp, um, and then you can install applications using the tool itself. And if you haven't visited it yet, if you go to setapp.com, I think I said .co earlier, setapp.com, there's a blog link there, and that blog has some amazing resources for learning how to treat your Mac better, including making sure that you're not getting viruses there. So check out the Setapp blog. Fantastic. Uh, sir, let's move to quickly go over to what ones are you being able to use in Setapp? What, what do you got for us? Yeah, so I'll just give you four real quick that I'm using, one of which Michael Fair talked about, and that's Ulysses. I'm also using Downy to download content uh, where necessary. I use Permute on the Mac to convert content, pictures, video, and audio to whatever other format I need. Uh, think switch on Windows and Mars Edit for WordPress management because then I can manage WordPress sites locally. Can you use the iPhone versions of these apps? So you can, I have not, um, but I will say that if you go into the setup application, if there's an iPhone application available, um, you just click the iPhone button and then it gives you a QR code you can scan with your phone and then that will download access to that application through your setup subscription. Mm-hmm. $10 US, a little pricey, is it worth it? A month. I think it is. Uh, it gives me a chance to try out applications that I may not have wanted to try in the past because I wasn't sure how they would be with accessibility. Um, and right. it also gives me an opportunity to continually support the app developers because they receive a portion, I don't know the details, of that monthly subscription each time that you use the application. All right. All right. So that's one uh, good thing to point to. Now, here's another one. I think this is way more exciting. It's called... Oh, for sure. And more useful. More useful rum. And and more often. So there's a new product (laughs) called Doritos Silent, and it reduces the crunch that you hear when others are eating chips. How does it work? 
Okay, so you guys need to look this up on YouTube uh, when you get off the air or while you're on the air. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter, you know. Uh, it, it works because it uses 5,000 different uh, points of audio and data to be able to hear the crunch in your audio. So when you take a bite of chips, it's going to take that crunch sound out but not cut out your words. The videos I heard uh, just kind of made the, the the crunch go away. It just wasn't there anymore. Uh -huh. and you could still hear the person talking. Uh, <laughs> it is software that you run on your computer and it uh, kind of steps in between you and the tool that you're using to connect to other people. Um, and it uh, should be a mandatory tool that's on every single gamer's uh, headset <laughs> when they're trying to, to eat and play at the oh, same gosh, time. Yeah. So hold oh. up, are we leaving it up to the Dorito eaters to take the initiative to download this app or can I download it and your crunches will be taken and filter. away? Mm. Oh, that's a good call. Because it looks like it is just for the gamers the eaters, too, uh, right? But yeah. maybe that's Damn what we it. need to do is, is, is make sure that it's what we hear. Huh. Yeah. You would think that would almost be easier, almost easier to filter it at yeah, like your end. Like take the crunches out of other people's uh -huh. yeah. feeds. Yeah, mm. yeah, you would think. And and maybe maybe that is how it works. If if someone's listening, you can send a feedback email and let us know. But the way I understood it is the gamer has to download it, and then it goes between the gamer and the chat. Oh, so problematic because you don't even know if the gamer knows that their crunches are so annoying. <laughs> oh. and it's That's usually the it's case, Doritos. right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. interesting it's Doritos, not kettle chips, not some of the others that <laughs> I are I promise you it wasn't the Dorito eater who invented this somebody <laughs> this hates doritos out there that's like it's too darn loud well i mean think um, about it we're gaming for hours yeah. and hours and hours a day and then most of these guys are maybe eating for hours 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 a day of doritos <laughs> bag after bag of, maybe doritos of, yeah. is their sponsor right and if somebody say well that's not right they're paying you a lot <laughs> so let's get an anti-dorito sound um chat gpt released a major update it's a free one uh show us how smart assistance is should be Oh, this is magic. So it is the voice chat where you can just talk to your assistant. Oh, so before we went on the air, I have to create a board report for a website committee that I'm on. And I hate writing these things. Full transparency. <laughs> I'm not going to sit down and just write it. So I had my voice assistant up and I was talking to him. Like, hey, I need to make a, a, a board report for this project, for this these people. Here's what I need to include. Can you draft me a rough draft? Oh, add this information and change this around and do this. And now I can log into chat GPT and grab the actual text of the board report, make any additional changes and send that along. And I did all of that with my voice. That was powerful because you wow. think of the assistants like Siri and Google, where it's a back and forth question where this is just, let me give you all of these things on my mind. Um, I do say uh, sometimes because you don't like when you're trying to actually say what you're mm. thinking, sometimes you got to pause for a minute, uh, but that is a, a powerful, a smart assistant that's available available on iPhone and Android. Fantastic. There's also another app that might seem familiar to people, but it's called Voice Mod. What does it do? It uses AI, because everything uses AI in Obviously. 2023 now, to change your voice to something else, either someone else's voice or a similar sounding voice. Uh, and it does that in real time. Mm. And oh, you could awesome. just uh, use it and what, download the uh, yep. thing? Okay. Okay. Download That's the tool cool. and then connect it to your chat app. Nice. Okay. Uh, AI made this song. How did this process work? Ooh, are we going to play the song? Yeah. Do we have it? I don't know. Do I thought we would. I th 
Maybe we don't. Maybe we didn't pass it on. No. <laughs> no. Okay, we got to no, do it next not. week. We got to do it next okay, week. Okay, no, no worries. Yeah, but you can that. go to Double Tap on Air and get listen to Wednesday's show if you actually want to hear the song early. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I told it, I, I went to the AI in the edit field. I said, hey, create me a pop song about the Double Tap gift guide. And it came up with the mm. song that, that we have. <laughs> that is so fun. That's all you did that for is. prompt? Yep. That was my no. That was my entire prompt. And oh it did gosh. the mix of the music, it created the music, it wrote the lyrics, and it uh, did the uh, synthesized female voice. Did you ask it to change wow. the voice around or anything like that afterwards, like follow it up? I, I, I did not because it doesn't, it looks like you can't do follow up okay. with Suno, S-U-N-O dot A-I. I will say it gave me two versions of the song in less than oh. two minutes. Ah, that's great. So How much fun, fun you can have, right? Just, just for exactly. fun alone. Yeah. And yep. And and well, what about copyright on that? Could you actually come on here and do much with it? Like, could you create your... <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about yeah. that down the way because who knows where we're at with that. Want to squeeze in real quick, Freedom Scientific? They had a webinar last week and they gave us five settings to improve the um, web experience with JAWS. Any quick things you want to highlight? So I think one of the quickest things is they reminded you that you can use JAWS key Z like Zulu to enable or disable the uh, virtual viewer. And a lot of these applications on the web now use built-in keystrokes that the JAWS application will interrupt. So keep that in mind. And mm. then they also shared the information about if you need to, uh, especially if you have a website that's giving a lot of sound, you can do JAWS key space VB and then tap the left or right arrow key to put jaws in one ear and all the other sounds in the other ear especially for those websites that just have that instant start playing yeah. audio or yep. start playing media and you can't find mm -hmm. the pause button that can be uh, helpful for people as well lovely awesome. michael as always we cover so much with you thank you and we'll chat <laughs> with you next week you guys have a great show thanks a lot and uh, don't coffee, eat cheetos pal. on the air <laughs> <laughs> we gotta cheetos send that soft feedback enough. Yeah, actually, Doritos. You're right. Yeah, Doritos, Doritos are on the soft other enough. Hand. You should be able to get away with it. Mm, Don't just, eat those kettle chips. Tostitos are another one. Pretty bad. Pretty bad for gaming and Zoom calls and such. Hey, yeah, turn your compressor up. That'll be helpful. Um, Michael Babcock joins us on Mondays for our weekly tech talk. Grant Hardy's going to be uh, up with us next, and interesting conversation, especially at this time of the year. Luggage tracking is finally going to get easier on the Canadian flights, folks. He'll be here in a couple of minutes. I'll talk to him then about it. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Thanks for being with us wherever you are hanging out around Canada. Maybe you're checking us out on AMI-TV, just sitting right there on the couch. Maybe, you know what, you're just listening in via your computer to AMI-audio. Now, the times for that are Canada across Canada on AMI-TV, 2 p.m. Eastern. AMI-audio has us on the air first time at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Whichever way works for you, folks, glad to have you on board listening in on TuneIn Radio or OO Tunes around the world. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. It's time to flip through some headlines with producer and reporter for Kelly and Ramya, Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. 
Grant's back on the road starting tomorrow, or shall I say in the air as he flies uh, Toronto bound. Um, so, Grant, you got an item here that's kind of perfectly timed. Welcome back to the mm -hmm. show. Thank you for having me. Happy Monday. Lovely to be with you guys on my pre-travel day here. And uh, we're talking about airports and airlines. I don't know about you guys. I actually love traveling. Um, and I used to love flying, too. But I would say that uh -oh. flying is is maybe the one thorn in my side here. Air airlines have pretty much done everything they can to strip all the the pleasures that we used Enjoyment. to have <laughs> turn, turn into something a little bit dehumanizing. And one thing that airlines have really struggled with lately is luggage. Mm -hmm. um, so... We're talking about families. I was reading about a family where this is so sad. I shouldn't be laughing, but their kids apparently started questioning whether Santa is real because Air Canada lost their luggage that contained their kids' Christmas presents. That's so sad. Um, and it took them quite a while to get back to it. And of course, we've had more serious incidents where people working in accessibility have had their wheelchairs and other important items like that left behind. Um, so apparently Air Canada is going to be making it a little bit easier to track your luggage. Um, so what you'll do is download the Air Canada app, and I'll definitely test this for accessibility tomorrow. And then your luggage will be scanned at a few different points along the journey, at the baggage uh, check-in area, at the transfer point, before and after the, they're loaded onto the aircraft, and when they're returned to customers at the claim areas. Uh, so they say this will give you a little bit of a better idea where your luggage is to kind of reduce that anxiety a little bit. I guess the only thing is, though, that it's not going to be nearly as precise as, for example, sticking an AirTag mm -hmm. in there and then using your phone, which I know some airlines have even banned because they're just so precise that it can be a little bit of an embarrassment to the airline. And it doesn't really tackle the accessibility for us of like having a way to know exactly which bag is ours, exactly where right. that is. Kind of have to just rely mm -hmm. on the. Wouldn't it be cool to stand were? beside the turntable and be able to actually grab your bag as it beeped, as it oh, you know was coming to you? Beep, 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 I beep, wish. beep. Like and and did something that you could somehow, as it got closer, going around, yeah. you could hear it, you know, further, <laughs> further, right there in front of you, and grab it until someone else says, "That's mine." Originally, when you just read like the headline of this, you think there is some kind of physical uh, attribute to this, I right? I know, right? It, yeah. It is, that, that's kind of what I was thinking in the beginning. But like it a reminds tag? me of, mm -hmm. yeah, it reminds me a little bit more of like package tracking. Pretty you know, much, where yeah. you kind of mm -hmm. see it yep. like, oh, okay, sure. left left the, the the whatever post office, but you still don't know exactly where it is. It, Which it you know, does the give this, them though, the guys, accountability, though. Like it, it does, That's exactly it, yes, Rum. Like, they yes. had that package that those people who had their tags on earlier this year knew where it was, knew it was sitting there for days yep. at the airport in Toronto, kept pointing it out, and they would not do it. This makes the accountability with their own equipment mm -hmm. their responsibility. So the only thing we could ever claim is faulty show up, and how come it's not there? You know, mm -hmm. something went wrong or somebody's bag during the scanning process didn't take but if you're scanning it multiple times i guess you could get multiple images or some weird thing like that in a glitch but you would think that at least one time the scan will take you'd have to yeah yeah i mean the, yeah like they've they've 
done it, right? Multiple checkpoints, yeah. um, reasons. I do like that. Yeah, an ease of complaining or figuring out, like, if you're, uh, well, now I want to say package, if your baggage hasn't arrived or if you don't know where it is or if it's stuck at, you know, a particular checkpoint that isn't your destination, then they've made it easier for you to complain. Uh, so, I mean, I guess the minister, who, who was it? The minister of accessibility who said this is unacceptable. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and um, flying Air Canada out to Ottawa to be like, you know, putting their foot down, banging the gavel and saying enough is enough it has made a mm-hmm. difference this is tactile well if this has been ridiculous with air can i'm sorry this has oh, gone God, on gone so way long, too long for way too long. and and for for uh, you know the an airline that's subsidized by the government to the extent oh, geez, and to yeah. be such a crybabies that they have been about stuff i am sorry this has been a negative or a black eye on them for decades people it's have been forever. and they never had to do anything they never cared oh well <laughs> it almost felt like they treated it like they were untouchable now they're being yeah. touched by the parties that be yeah, it's kind of an interesting one, and I'm hoping this isn't too ignorant of a, a comment, but, you know, we always say, like, don't just throw money at the problem. Mm-hmm. But this is right. one situation where I feel like the airlines are powerful enough. I mean, let's – setting aside, you know, we, a wheelchair, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, yeah. the, if, yeah. if, Air, if Air Canada loses your kid's – Christmas present. What harm would it to, you know what, we're going to give you, you know, whatever the fee is for like when we bump you off a flight or mm-hmm. whatever, a little more, we're going to give you, you know, 1500 bucks, you know, buy, buy some Christmas presents this year, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would just mean so much to people. And uh, yeah, and, and it not be so big of a problem because when you talk about the calls being made, telling what's been missing, what's gone missing, the kids overhearing this, knowing it's their Christmas presents and say so you have, you know, the ones that, oh, well, I thought, so, what's, gee, at least we still have Santa's gifts coming. Now mom and dad uh-huh, have to go out and uh-huh. take care of that. Yeah. And and it would be nice if you the airline didn't just say, well, we were placed out. Be quiet. We found them or whatever. <laughs> we're off the hook. Shut up. You know, yeah. it, it would be nice if it was a bit more like you said, because Grant, you used the perfect word, dehumanizing. It has mm-hmm. become degrading to fly. or And if you have any complaints after paying this major amount of money, uh, you're a squeaky, noisy wheel. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's stressful enough, right? Like, that's the bottom line. Traveling is stressful enough. And then on top of that, you're like, what should I put in my carry-on? What should I put in my baggage? Should I even check in? Can I get away with not checking? Because you're so worried, like, at least for myself. Mm. I'm so worried about checking in baggage that I don't even, like, ever. Nope, that's why I've always been. I've been terrified. Plus, if you lose it, it's not like you, the the trip that you're on... It's not like you can say, well, we'll come back next month when I found all my stuff, okay? Oh, yeah, you're going for a destination wedding and your dress is gone? Like, forget it. (laughs) That's right. And you're buying other things. Exactly, and then they take the the onus and put it back on you. Well, you got to complain. You got to fill out the forms. It might take us two weeks to get to your form. Who knows where you are or where your baggage is? We don't care that much. And uh, all of this is very stressful, and we're not even talking about mobility devices. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're in the same category, but they shouldn't be. This is... No way. Very, like, so much to consider when you're thinking mobility devices. But at least through this article, they've mentioned mobility devices as well, because obviously this is way bigger.
bigger problem. It's a huge Absolutely. care thing they've got to take on, and people have got to care. And mm-hmm. I'm, I hate to say this because I don't mean to say accuse everybody that works for Air Canada, no, but, but somebody's, somebody's got to care about every yeah. piece of luggage that's going on there as if it were their own. Yeah. That's it. And if they can't be trusted, Mr. fine. Put it. Put, put checkpoints right. on it. That's right, or at least check their house to see how much they're taking. Well, anyway, oh, Grant, uh, okay. Grant, what, what do you want to talk about next, All right. sir? I don't know how long we've got left. I'll try and be quick, even though it's a little bit of a heavier subject. Um, but uh, the Toronto School Board, apparently, this is interesting, they've, they've actually moved away from communicating every hate or racism-related incident to school communities. Uh, and the reason they're doing that is because they've been finding that uh, letters about the cases could lead to further harm. Uh, So apparently um, this drew a little bit of attention and ire from a couple of uh, parents who raised concerns after uh, how an elementary school uh, handled reports of hateful graffiti on site, and I think a little uh, graffiti of some uh, racist uh, symbols in the washroom. Uh, But the reason why the school board is doing it is because they say that not only can it inspire copycats, uh, but it can inspire actual harm uh, because the students in question are identified. Uh, Sometimes uh, those people could actually face actual physical or, you know, mental harm from people who are trying to, to seek, you know, some Retribution and a paid retribution, or or again, just uh, copycats. Uh, you know, this is. Um, I'm curious about your your opinions. I'm not going to talk too much, about, but you know, having thought about this a little bit, um, school and university is such a place of of learning. I, I remember a video went viral of a young twenty something, you know, stupid, dare I say, university student who made some racial comments unfortunately uh and what ended up happening is she actually faced you know severe like death threats you know threats to her physical safety uh, and she actually had to withdraw from from school and a lot of people said you know absolutely no excuse for what she did it's incredibly stupid but it's one of those things and especially thinking about an elementary school one of those things guys where like it could be a teachable moment instead of an opportunity to just you know you can't don't threaten someone's life right it's yeah i don't know what are your thoughts it's like the extension of cancel culture i find the way that we are so adamant on making celebrities and influencers feel terrible about things that they've done whether it be in the past or whether they come out with a what are we talking about we don't say tweet anymore we say x (laughs) anyways a post yeah an x (laughs) Okay, that's weird. Um, that kind of thing now, like we, there's, we're relentless, right? And in, in a way, we should be because, come on, like things don't pass For anymore. Sure. We Absolutely. can't just be gray yeah. about certain things, especially hate speech. But at the same time, you're so right. When this trickles down to younger people, to school environments, to um, nuanced conversations, like what's going on in people's home that people are saying these that's things it. or expressing that's themselves exactly in these way it. at school, it should 100% be a teachable moment unfortunately though we are way more tuned to being reactive than anything else these days and the opportunities of being reactive are just 
plentiful. You know, with social media, everyone's got devices, everyone's socially connected online as much as they are in person. So um, before you know it, you know, people are shutting the doors on or like this, the extreme of death threats and everything else going on before, and the moment has passed. The moment of this being teachable has passed. It's very scary. Right. Yeah, you got to balance it out. What becomes teachable? What becomes harmful? I remember somebody with the TTC telling me once that they used to publicize the persons who took their lives in the subway. Not not so much the people, right. the incidents right. themselves. Yeah. And they realized you can't do that because, like you said, Grant, whether it's copycat, whether it gives people ideas um, or, or makes people fearful. Obviously, if somebody's going around pushing people in tracks, you're publicizing that for people to be aware. We know there's things like this that go on in schools. I know people, parents are worried. Yeah, but we don't want you finding a way to shove this under the carpet. We want people aware and always thinking, knowing this is going on. And I think there's statistics, there's things you can do, and you can be open and transparent about that. Mm. But we don't need to be transparent about somebody was picking on Grant at school. They said this and that about him. And, you know, Grant came and reported it. Good for Grant. Oh, no, we're going to get that Grant guy. We're going to get him. We don't need any of that. So. I, I do think that there's that level of um, it's been a while since I've been in school and that was the big thing back then. We were worried about who found out I said something or I told my parents and they lost it and went and reported it. Grant Powell, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Producer Grant Hardy joins us Mondays and Wednesdays. We do headlines with him, some wonderful topics today to make us chat, to make us think. Coming up next on the program, we meet AMI Apprentice Andrew Matthews, who's going to be sharing with us what he's been working on in his time with AMI. Stay tuned. Great conversation again ahead. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Remember, we're here Monday through Friday, right here on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. On AMI-tv, you can check out the best of Kelly and Ramya over the weekend. I'm Kelly McDonald at the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan is in the studio in Toronto. You know, there's always going lots going on uh, at AMI, on AMI-audio, AMI-tv, and we keep you posted pretty well throughout the week on this show. Um, but once in a while, we like to take in a couple moments and just focus in. So that's what we do on Mondays. And today we're talking to AMI's new podcast apprentice, Andrew Matthews, who's been here for a while working with Ryan Delahanty and the team uh, around the podcast. And because there's so much going on in the podcast world at AMI Audio, we want to get to know Andrew and see how he's been doing. How's it going, Andrew? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. And we're very excited to meet you, to chat with you on air. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where do you live, uh, your hobbies, what you've been up to at AMI? Uh, I, I live in Brampton, so that's a city near Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, my hobbies are, I like biking and swimming, and I also like anime, uh, so like Gundam and Dragon Ball Z and Attack on Titan, as well as sci-fi and superhero stuff i also just really like movies in general especially looking at their behind the scenes stuff so that's why actually being part of ami and working behind the scenes and something is something i find really neat mm. hey. i know I, I mean i know um 
It seems to be, I know I've had this conversation with Brock Richardson about just the behind the scenes. He likes to go watch some stuff being shot at CBC and he finds that the most interesting. And I was always that person, Andrew, that did that myself as a kid. Well, what happens then? What does this mean? So I, I, I totally relate to that. Do you have any prior experience in the industry? Yes. Uh, last year, I worked as a digital media intern for the Disability Channel. That's another nice. company that does media by and for the disability community. So that was a bit different but because we use some different software. So we would work in Canva. That's a design program. And we'd make, well, we'd make ads, but they were fictional ads, but they were just sort of to see what we could do with mm. the with the program. We also made slideshows at PowerPoint. And then one of the later projects was making and editing a short film in DaVinci Resolve. And, and that's a, another type of edit, editing software. What did you cool. enjoy um, during that process and during those ad projects? Uh, well, I thought it was neat to be able to be creative with stuff. So uh, being able to use Canva and mix a bunch of different stuff together, it was just like, you know, you don't really realize how people are able to do that. So the different stuff the program lets you do, it lets you change the color of something. Yeah, You can add clip art and stuff. And in the audio, you could add, it in the filmmaking, you could actually edit and remove sound. So uh, one of the projects was filming outside. So the background sound was actually uh, sound you could uh, you you could get from a, a website. The website had stuff that it could offer, and mm. you could actually put sort of like ambient background sound from like the jungle oh, nice. onto a garden, and it was <laughs> just sort of like you, you you know, it was like wow, I didn't really think about something like that. Yeah, and That's like kind really of splicing neat. different things together. Did you um did you find it to be very experimental? I I'd say so because there was a lot of stuff that was going on, so. It was just sort of you, you sort of see for a while well, what works and what's uh, what can we do with this or how how does this work or what works best in this yeah. especially like you know how you can edit and change stuff. Yeah, that's the most mm. most fun part about creating audio. I think. I so. think. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I'm sure video people, when you can do so many things now as quickly as you can or as easy, almost as we used to say, as you do with audio, that was our blessed thing with audio. You could add so much, you could do so much, but there's so many neat things you're able to do now with video, at least in, in sound and, and some of the video. Andrew, I'm kind of curious, when you talked before about behind the scenes, has there been something that you can think of that as you started to get involved in this process and doing different things, the Disability Channel, working with us, that you really found really cool behind the scenes thing that you either didn't know about, thought was really cool when you learned about it, or just that you enjoy in the behind the scenes, whether it's the the talk in the, you know, uh, uh, behind or putting something together or the research for something. Is there anything in particular that you've learned that, wow, I didn't know about this or I, I, I really find this fun, this part of it and behind the scenes that nobody else knows about except us behind the scenes? I'd have to say seeing how people could put an ad together. So it, it, this goes from just being an ad to also being an online web thing, an online right. web notification, and also just sort of the nature of 
uh, of being able to edit the audio together. So, or the mm-hmm. film together, you can cut the film down and you can use the splicer tool, tool and, you know, cut this part and put it together. And so if you do it well, it can all flow naturally. So it wouldn't be that obvious. We're, there are programs like that that are working at AMI and it's, it, it is really neat just because, you know, when you look at something and, you, you, you know, after that, I would be looking at it and, you know, the other stuff is like, wow, it's neat to see all the stuff that goes on and how people would actually edit it together. And it looks right. so natural. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Instead of I... like jump cuts or whatever right. from before. Yeah. 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 And what I love is like everyone's learning maybe uh there, you know, you're learning your own challenges, but also what you excel at or what you're um, excited about, and you kind of feed off of different people's skills and experiences, right? So, speaking of which, what new things are you learning as an apprentice here at AMI? I'd have to say just even more stuff about all the behind the scenes and how many programs there are. Mm. So, uh, w- one of the things is editing thumbnails in Photoshop. So, it's not just you there were multiple layers so you'd go into a different layer to change one part of an image so you could change the title screen you could change sort of like if they're if they have this fancy uh design and there's a photo or one part of it you could remove the photo or replace it you could remove another part and replace it so you could actually change the whole design but you're not really erasing stuff you're just editing and re-editing stuff so i hadn't really in previous programs i'd worked with they hadn't really done anything like that uh-huh. yeah and yeah. in adobe audition similar to what happened to davinci you can cut different parts of a clip together to make it more cohesive so some of the stuff we were working on it was like if somebody's being interviewed about something and they mention a story and they say oh when the person's name was this it can be edited so that they start off by saying who the person was and then telling the story. Right, right. Wow. Yep. Kind of changing the flow of the narrative, yeah. Yeah, move it around a little bit, right? Uh, Let's take a look at some of the handiwork because we've got a clip that you edited together from the Spectrum Production um, episode of Our Community. Uh, Let's take a look at their green screen special effects work for the superhero film Catechism. Cast and crew also utilized the green screen studio. Dan Tenveen explains the benefits. One of the ways that we really teach introductory processes is to use our green screen. Our green screen is a great tool to imagine nearly any scene and then to be able to build that afterwards in our our post-production techniques. Uh, It sounds easy, but then once you actually start to look at the details of it, there's a lot of different levels of learning and accessibility elements to that. At one of the editing stations at Spectrum's office, Thomas and Calvin are creating visual effects for Cataclysm. There's also workstations where you can work on the the post-production, setting up a scene, putting all those different elements together and testing things out. Often we like to just put the the directive in the the film director's hands and have them define what they want. And that's a great process for us to engage in, to think about the tone that they want, and then to try it out, to test it, and then to pull it back and see what that look actually achieves. Yeah, don't keep doing what you're doing. If you have a system, keep, keep with it. But next time, if you before you make a system, it's good to use a... A lot more than that. Uh, yeah. During the following weeks, all post-production work is finalized on their superhero film. Wow, so nice. nice. And w- what an interesting thing to follow along, Andrew, and, and kind of hear what's going on there and learning a little bit about. Um, I'm going to jump over here to talk a little bit with you working 
uh, with videos and podcasts. Do you have a favorite show from AMI? Oh, there's there's a lot of different shows and, and, and stuff that I find interesting. So I kind of go for more like a favorite episode. And one of them would be uh, for it's another our community episode. It's called Game Changers. So mm-hmm. there was this uh, hospital called the Stan Cassidy Rehab Center in Fredericton in New Brunswick, and they use uh, video games in therapy. So. Um, it can keep people's spirits up. And as, as I said, sometimes it's people recovering from an accident. Sometimes it's people who were born just, you, you know, having some, with uh, some issues they need they need help with. But regardless, sometimes people have come into the game. Sometimes people have just said, I was always a fan of it. So they're part of trying to make the games more accessible. It can work, they say it can work as physio training. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of positives in it. And the program itself actually makes their own equipment which they then give to the patients so they use sometimes they work with the companies but sometimes they also do a 3d printer of making something more accessible mm. or uh, so like with video game controllers and, and um and, and just things that allow people's hand movements to be better or just allows it to be more accessible this is like very very exciting stuff and we love talking about it on the show and so you edited together a clip around this um game changers episode of our community let's take a listen our rehabilitation engineer rachel bernier she's uh the only one in the province uh we are very very fortunate to have her and she works with all of our teams again in creating one-of-a-kind devices modifying building Um, anything at all to enable people to be as independent as they can. So sometimes it's really high tech and sometimes it's not at all, but we need an engineer to get in there and fiddle with things and make it work for our clients. The joystick with the big blue topper, um, I was able to order the materials off of Amazon for that. It's an arcade joystick. It acts as a D-pad, so that's, I guess, a flaw of it, but it's nice because you can 3D print any custom topper that you'd like. So for Kevin, it was interesting because he doesn't have the functionality of his fingers, so he can't really get a decent grip on the joysticks themselves. So I took imprints of his wrists in some Play-Doh and 3D scanned the Play-Doh imprint, put it on CAD software and formed it out and 3D printed it so that his wrists can rest nicely on the joystick and he can get enough grip to steer nicely. We're talking about like creativity and digital forms, like uh, creative audio and video editing. And and this seems like a seamless fit into that conversation, just creative uh, processes to make things more accessible. Very exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. You can watch Game Changers, Spectrum Productions, or any other episode of our community on the new AMIplus.ca platform. And Andrew, your apprenticeship here at AMI wraps up this week. So tell us what's uh, next for you. Any exciting plans? Um, well, work-wise, I'll probably look into um, other programs or just sort of like, you know, I have stuff to add to my resume, so I'm, I'm part of a job, uh, a, a job board. So I, th- I think that, that helps a lot. And uh, on a personal level, uh, since the holidays are coming out, my family's getting together. So I think that'll be neat. We do this thing where we have a gift exchange and it's just nice seeing everyone during the holidays and, and, and catching up because not everyone can get together all yeah. the time. So that, that'll be pretty neat. 
of course. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really glad we got to catch up with you before you wrap mm -hmm. things up here. And obviously, you've been doing incredible work. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'd like to thank everyone at AMI and Julia and Schieffer who helped me as like job developers. So again, thank you guys mm -hmm. so much. Appreciate you. Good luck, you. Andrew. Yeah, good luck. Thanks, man. Thank you. It was great talking to you guys. You too. Andrew Matthews, our AMI apprentice, uh, who was working with the audio and video crew, and it was nice to have him on. So amazing, cool stuff that he shared with us, folks. Coming up, though, we've got the second hour of the program for you on Know Your Rights today. Danielle McLaughlin has a conversation with Professor Ron Buehling. This is all about how to make cities more accessible. And on our CNIB Smart Life segment today, we discuss the features, advantages, and benefits of the new Illuminous Land. But up next, there's a performance of Benevolence and special touch tour included with the great Canadian theatre company in Ottawa. Community reporter Kim Kilpatrick has the details for us. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Just a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, do check it out. Uh, we'll see what we more details we can get on more appearances of it. And I'm just kind of being premature here. We haven't necessarily got the literature and all the goods as to when and all that. We just know the 29th is that magical day mm -hmm. for the uh, Kelly and Rumya primetime special. Uh, we welcome you back to Hour 2. Rummy is at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio London, Ontario. Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, we get an opportunity to visit with our community reporters. They bring so much stuff to us to talk about. It's just, just crazy, folks. And today, Kim Kilpatrick will not disappoint. She's got all sorts of stuff from the Ottawa region. Welcome back, Kim. Hello, hello. Uh, you're in prime time now. That's very uh, progress. That's very posh. Prime you know, we never came up with an actual name for it, Kim. Yeah. So it's the prime time special. And they only give yeah. us the one day, so we're not posh enough. Like, we're oh. temporarily posh. Yeah, but this is well, the first step in the ladder. You oh, know? you think this so? Not, huh? Yeah, this is the beginning. We think and, we're going to get kicked off big, immediately. In front of a wonderful audience, all the... Mm -hmm. We better stop fantasizing here because it gets like some dream here. Oh, and then somebody will... Here, here, come on, wake up, wake up. Thank you. It's over now. <laughs> Uh, Kim, let's no. talk about Benevolence, a wonderful performance here and lots of cool things for accessibility involved. Yeah, so it's a play at the Great Canadian Theatre Company, GCTC. Um, it's running for a couple of weeks, but this performance is going to be on the 17th of December, which is a Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so the uh, director of the play is Eric Coates, who was the executive director of GCTC for many, many years, so he's back to direct this. And there is going to be a touch tour that day if you're blind or low vision. It would start at noon um, prior to the matinee performance, which um, so, and it's at the Great Canadian Theatre Company, which is on Wellington Street. And there's a description of the play. It sounds really quite interesting. It is, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. It's kind of like a comedy and not a comedy. I guess it won the Governor General's Literary Award for Drama. And so it sounds sounds like it's going to be really good. Um, it's 75 minutes long, no intermission. So in order to um, register for the touch tour, you do have to register for with Drea, who is the um, access person at GCTC. And then you will get more information. The tickets are also, which I think is really nice, the tickets are a sliding scale. 
So there's mm. a sort of pay what you can, but there, there's kind of a sliding scale. So we know that in our community, sometimes um, there will be, you know, people who can't afford it, but really want to go. So yep. it's kind of nice. They're going to meet everybody at the entrance to the building. I'm going to discuss the production character set and visual elements and have some things to touch, um, either props or actual props. And time for the tour prior to the performance. And you're going to give out complimentary tea and coffee. And the performance begins at 2. So tickets are available. Um, pick your price, 15 25 or 35 So you can. You have to book your tickets for this with uh, Drea, who's the access coordinator manager. Um, Excellent. And we have Very that nice. information for her on the blog. Drea. D-R-E-A at gctc.ca or by phone at 613-236-5192, extension 235. And I will be there. Not that you have to go because I'm going to be there, but <laughs> I'll be happy to. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to go. So I'll be there. And, and I'm sure there are people listening that would love to meet you. Kim, quickly tell me. Touch tours. Um, is this when you see this one of those things that even makes it more, hey, I think I've got to go to that. Uh, do you find it? Or the notes more useful when it comes to things or, or all of it? Because I know some people might say a touch tour, they make it a little overwhelmed or we're trying to read yeah. all that stuff, memorize the touch to the, the pre-show notes might be too much. What do you find for you as an artist? I, I like all of it, but I'm a bit of a nerd that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I kind of mm -hmm. read the notes and the touch tour and I listen to like any description and, you know, live describe. But I know what you mean. I, I do find sometimes with touch tours, they'll get excited. And like, I'm not saying this would happen here, but, you know, they'll get excited. They'll go, here, touch a phone. And it's like, okay, I sort of know, unless it's a really <laughs> old-fashioned phone, like I know what a phone is like. But they're sort of showing you everything on the stage. But often I'll say, just show me the things that are unique. Like, I don't need to see a couch unless there's something special about the couch. Like, if... Yeah, the couch yeah. has hidden. I, I kind of like knowing the set. I was like, going to say, I, yeah, I, I do. feel that's yeah. almost more because then I get the idea more that okay, he's moving over where yeah. that phone is supposed. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think yeah. that's the actor, right? That's my me almost wanting to know they're blocking. That's yeah, what it I is. like that. Yeah. I like that too. But they don't have to hand me like everything no, that's normal. No, but I like to hear people walk around the set, or if they let you walk on the set. Now often. Due yes, to rules, you like um, you, yeah. you're not allowed on there. Which but I I've seen a, a workaround, which is like a diorama, right? People will create yeah, little, yeah, little mm -hmm. uh, models. And I've of been the on stage. Like there are times mm -hmm. where they'll say no problem. Like just sometimes you know. it's afterwards, I guess. Especially post show, yeah. right? Because yes. it doesn't matter if you mess yes. with any of the props. Yeah, but, yeah. You, don't... you know, they're pretty in control of the props even beforehand. But the ones they're okay with, maybe mm -hmm. the stuff that comes uh, from behind on the set, so. It's yeah, great. I yeah. just just curious. It's fair though, no. Kim, that you said that you know you're a nerd about it, and that's why you read all the notes and the access guides and whatever else is handed to you beforehand. And I always think about that like as a discrepancy for any of us who are like, I don't do any of this. I just walk into the play. Hopefully, I get there for pre-show notes. On time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On time, number one. Uh, but to, for the pre-show kind of ad um, notes. Uh, you know, what happens then, right, for some of us who may have read and some others yeah. of us who haven't. But it's it, but it's guess, great that everything is available. But I guess, I like, I wouldn't not go to a play if I decided to show up at the last minute. Like, I'll go and take my chances. It's not like yeah. I have to have yeah. this. 
you know. But, you know, would you be better off if you did? And that's kind of the question that organizers are asking now, right? Or yeah. accessibility. Um, and it depends on the play a bit. Like a really oh, verbal yeah. play, maybe not, right? Exactly. Like but an plays, opera. Yes. Maybe yes. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Christmas at Billings Estate Museum and a Christmas tea. Yeah, so unfortunately, the tea is totally sold out because oh. I looked at it because some people oh. wanted to. So sorry about that. But I guess it's um, so Billings Estate Museum is one of Ottawa's local museums. And I don't know. I wasn't reporting on here when I did used to do this, but we used to do storytelling there all the time around Halloween. And there'd be like these walking tours and there'd be stories there in different parts of the estate, sometimes inside, some outside. So it's a very old house. A lot of colorful characters. Uh, the Billings family lived there for many years. Very colorful characters. And there's like a gatehouse and there's a big lawn like yard with a cemetery there. And it's it's right in the city, but it's very, uh, it feels really old when you go there. Like, you know, it it kind of feels like you're not in the city, sort of. It's, it's an older house with a lot of interesting inform, uh, things there. Um, it's not totally wheelchair accessible. The first floor is of the house and the gatehouse, but there's a second floor and there's an attic. And we actually were, I was telling stories in the attic one time up there uh, about nice. World War One, And uh, my dog, my guide dog refused to go up. She really? hated it up there. Oh, yeah. Okay. And apparently there were, there were some things, there were some people that said there spirits. were ghosts and spirits yeah. and things, but she'd hate it up there. <laughs> um yeah, but uh, you can get there by transit. It's a bit trickier unless you know the way because it's kind of up a side street and stuff. So I would probably maybe suggest a cab or a writer or, or a para if you get that. So December 2nd to 23, and it's a regular admission. Um, and you can, you can, they have a lot of activities, holiday type activities there. Um, so there's, uh, period appropriate festive decor so they lived in the house oh like 150 200 years ago but they they lived in it for quite a long time um oldest wood frame house and they even have an ice house there like an old one wow so it's quite oh, actually cool. cool um and it's very cold in there i've gone i, in there. I actually told stories in there once that was not fun because it was cold <laughs> cold cold um and there's there's um artifacts for the and there's artifacts of you know the time there's a coloring station for kids and and help place some pieces in the in the community puzzle so that's mm -hmm. kind of interesting um or craft an ornament from natural materials so it just sounds like a lot of fun and it's not far out of the city so you can no, get there no. if you're um blind low vision you know you can't or other disabilities you can get there so it awesome. it is a nice it is a nice place. I really I like Billing State. I miss doing storytelling there every Halloween. <laughs> Especially in the ice house. Can we got oh, two no. minutes? Can we talk about Byward Market? Market. <laughs> yeah. So it just occurred to me um, that the Byward Market has a lot of things for Christmas. There is a historic. There are historic. Um, carriage rides with horses and the carriage. I did that once. Uh, a friend of mine gave it to me as a gift. 
And uh, oh. it was it was fun because you go through that area and you can actually hear like it's nice and slow, right? So you can you can hear people talking yeah. going by. Yes. You can hear all kinds of oh, stuff. Nice. It's like, oh, it's so nice. And so they have yeah, and like they, they sell Christmas trees there in the kind of the square. So there's like Christmas mm. trees and you can smell them. Like even if you're not going to go buy them, you smell the Christmas trees and the wreaths and all of these things. And like, so it's kind of a nice, I, I really like, being there this time of i mean it's nice in the summer because there's all this fruits and vegetables but this time of year too is is really nice because there's sometimes carols and the horses you know will have the bells on and all of this kind of thing and you know you smell the trees and the piney smell mm-hmm. and i don't know i just thought i would i would mention it because it's it's a i love the idea of the christmas carols and the tree smelling they'd arrest me and say sir what are you doing getting high off those trees come along with us I <laughs> oh no love i that. i love that smell i just love it it's one of my favorite and it's close to the and canal it feels so... like christmas yes yeah so it's, if the yeah. canal ever opens this year it did not open last year that was the first season it never mm. opened um, yeah, I guess at this open. time of year, it's 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 not likely to be open. This when I was a kid, when Christmas. I was a kid, it yes. was always open at Christmas. It makes me sound old, right? Oh. When I was a kid, I could skate. We always skated Christmas oh. Eve. That's to do it's with the never ice opened by Christmas now. The ice age. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> old. <laughs> On that, Kim, best of the season to you. And this you is too. beautiful. Some really wonderful <laughs> visions here, Thanks, and Kim. wonderful smells, pine trees, and all. Thanks, Kim. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next year. Thank you. Thank you. Kim Kilpatrick, our community reporter in Ottawa. We visit with our community reporters once a month, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays on the program to begin our second hour, generally. Magic word. Mm-hmm. Amuthan, generally. <laughs> coming up next, folks, we know what on that our means. CNIB. Exactly. CNIB Smart Life segment coming up, folks. Features today, advantages and benefits of the new Illuminous lamp. We'll talk about it, learn about it after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Working our way through December, ladies and gentlemen. Already, how's your shopping going? Hope well. You know, it's a little tough this time. Everything has gone up in price. I think the hardest thing, Ramya, is going to be that Christmas dinner. But we are looking at that possible trend that's out there of people doing smaller events at these holidays. So maybe taking into account the price or just... Something we learned from the pandemic. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe not the butt about turkey this year, right? Something... Bit well, more hold on, feasible. Well, I didn't say that. Like uh, a, a vegetarian meal, maybe. It. Vegetables yeah, are expensive, too. if you get a big too. enough turkey, though, it'll last for days, Rum. Will just it? Just don't invite as many maybe people. Maybe everybody pitch in. That's the other thing. No, no, no. Just don't invite as many people, and you can oh, just freeze some of it, turkey right? You can for eat one. turkey forever. Well, I know friends yeah. who do turkey breast instead of, like, full turkeys and enjoy right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or the legs, right? Yeah, some exactly. people just love their legs, right? Exactly. All right, well, some things uh, are staying the same. Maybe the community reporters get switched around a little bit. But on the first Monday of the month, we do check in with our friends from CNIB Smart Life. And there's lots going on there always. So monthly visit is very much warranted. Today, we are speaking with Ryan Heaney, who is the National Sales Manager for Canada at Eschenbach Optic of America, Inc., And Eschenbach is always up to something interesting. We're discussing today the features, advantages, and benefits of the Illuminant... Oh, no, I'm not going to say it right. Illuminantis? Lamp. Did I say it right, Ryan? 
Elementus. Elementus. Uh, Elementus. I told her, like, so momentous. Close. So close. <laughs> Just to throw her off even All more. Right. Let's make it longer. <laughs> Tell us. We'll say it enough times during the segment that we'll know how to say it properly. Yeah, but the last time when we extra you, we should be saying it right. Right. So tell <laughs> us more about it. Can you describe the Elementus lab for us? Yeah, certainly. Um, thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, it's good to be back. So... The new Elementus lamp from Eschebach is a lamp that was designed and engineered specifically for those with vision loss. So it offers a specific range of features that can be customized for the individual user to provide an effective source of light for any number of tasks within any number of different environments you may be in. Okay. Fascinating because we talk all the time about adjusting our eyes when we come in from outside maybe or inside some of us with with certain you know eye conditions others have others oh that's too bright that's not bright enough i need the most right. light i need less light it, it's unbelievable so what type of light is used for the lamp yeah the elementus lamp uses led light which as we know by now is far more energy efficient than traditional light sources like incandescent or halogen and these specific leds are dimmable they offer light in three different color temperatures, and they're long-lasting, providing for 25,000 hours of life. So to factor that out, it equates to about 11-plus years of use if you're using it six hours a day, every day of every year. So you really do get your money's worth out of this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so I'm curious of the research on wh why, again, when we talk, I understand it from having the ring light. You can change temperature, and I understand that for video, again, we think of people's eyes and how video works versus how I, the human eye, works. I'm kind of curious on the decisions on the temperatures and that. Would this be kind of temperatures that one would see in the choices given for a ring light, or has there been a bit different research and utilization of what we would consider temperatures that are more unique to persons with, with eye challenges? Yeah, so... It's a good question. Uh, the way it's measured is using Kelvin temperatures, and I won't pretend to be the expert about different Kelvin no, temperatures, no, but the way we've set this up is so that you can adjust the light from warm to cool and mm. in between. So if you've ever shopped for Christmas lights and you're looking for Christmas mm. lights, you may have a preference towards the more cooler, bluer type of light, right. and somebody else may prefer that traditional warmer kind of yellow spectral output that you used to get from incandescent lights. And it's it's right, no different yes. with this light. And it just affects different sensitivities uh, depending on somebody's uh, contrast or uh, glare issues that they may have uh, in terms of adjustability. Good job without going into the Kelvin scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's continue talking about the design though, because again, this is for people who have low vision. This is a kind of a low tech um, solution for those of us who are still comfortable just adjusting light and using light as a huge tool for our you know daily everything. I guess from working like reading and writing to whatever else you may want to use this lamp for. But what kind of benefits does it offer people with low vision? Yeah, so uh, you mentioned a lot of great points there. Um, and there's several key features that provide benefits to the end user. So the first thing is you can adjust the brightness. So it's there's five different settings. You can adjust it from 20% brightness right up to 100% brightness just to mm. suit individual sensitivities or environments. I mentioned the LEDs being able to be changed from warm to cool light as well, just to provide for the most comfortable and optimal use in different situations. 
And it's also designed with an articulating arm, as you can see from some of the photos uh, floating through here. So there's actually three different joints that allow you to swivel the light 180 degrees, rotate it plus or minus 45 degrees, and lower or raise it depending on the need. And so this adjustability allows the end user to get the light properly situated and make it easy to use for any number of tasks, including reading, hobbies, crafts, just to name a few. And is that different from like the gooseneck where most of us are used to, like the adjustability and the joints? Actually, yeah, you're right. Um, the goose, we actually do have a model in a gooseneck design. Okay. And it can offer more flexibility for some who want to bend it here and there. But I find both the models we have are very suitable for getting the light anywhere you need to be. If right. it's five inches off the page that you need or 21 inches off the page that you need, it has the adjustability to do that. But one thing I'll note, given you brought it up, the articulating arm, what can sometimes happen and people may know, is those types of arms have uh, different hinges, as I mentioned. Mm. And so over time, after multiple use, as opposed to a flex arm, like a gooseneck, it may sag. And it actually has tactile tighteners where even if you have dexterity issues with your hands, you can turn those and tighten them so they maintain that oh. tension that you use right at the outset. Oh, that's really Excellent. helpful. Right. Helpful. And because so many of us start, oh, I need to get a screwdriver of some kind. I No, you yeah, guys are taking yeah. that out of there as a concern. How easy yeah. is it to turn on and to adjust the light settings? Yeah. So I, I mentioned that it's designed for those who've experienced vision loss. And when I was speaking to the vice president of product development from Germany, who was heavily involved in the design of this project, he mentioned the control buttons, the user interface is one of the key features when they were conceptualizing the design. So each button is designed to control one function only, making it as easy as it could possibly be. So in total, there's four buttons plus the on-off switch. We have one button that's meant to brighten the light. We have one that dims it. And we have one for temperature selection, as I mentioned, and another that turns on a, se a separate ambient light that's overhead. It's kind mm -hmm. of a nightlight effect. Oh, you can see it on the top left of this picture. And so... Wow. Each button's tactile and it clicks when pressed, making it easier to navigate and to become familiar with where their placement is pretty quickly. Nice. Now, I, I'm curious, Ryan, on the height. Like, if somebody who really kind of loves the idea of the color change, temperature change, the the brightness change for a room, even just to not necessarily for reading purposes, would it be with that nightlight something someone? I mean, maybe a little more lamp than they need. But to do some of the things like that, if they preferred to have different times, a different type of light just due to the things they do in that room, is this an option or it's definitely for that person that is working and needing to do the reading, stuff like that with it? Yeah, so there's, there's the, the when I first saw this design, I thought, oh, this is interesting that they built in this ambient light, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And we have a picture of it that kind of shows it almost providing um, kind of a soft glow in the room. And so if you, if you don't want very bright light or, um, you know, maybe you want to be in a darker situation for any number of reasons and you just have the ambient light on, at least it gives you enough to kind of navigate or find your way around um, almost like a, a nightlight would. Um, and so that's the idea of that is just to kind of have that nice. softer Set of vibe. spectral effect. Yeah. yeah, I think vibe. And also I notice, you know, as vision gets worse, as we're talking about mm. this, the way you perceive light and, yeah. you know, whether you're needing it for reading or just because you have to work in an area yep. and you just your eyes get, but you need some light, you don't want to sit in the dark. 
um, it's interesting some of the choices that some of us may have to make or find, hey, I can use this for this, where some you may think, oh, it's a little oh, more definitely. than what we use, but it's good. For sure. Definitely. And I think that's why something like this, which is very, very customizable, is so uh, brilliant, especially for people who have conditions where your eyesight is deteriorating, you know, periodically, right? Like you're you're not sure what and also like good days and bad days, Uh, even if your condition itself is stable, sometimes you need more light, sometimes you need less light. So to be able to minutely adjust that from situation to situation is super helpful, Ryan. Is there anything else that differentiates this lamp from something else that can be found in stores? Yeah, for sure. So you know, one of the things you mentioned is contrast loss, and this is one of the most overlooked things uh, in eye conditions. You can get tested up and down, and everything looks the same as it did before, but contrast loss can affect a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these features play into that. But there's a lot of other great features. So the height of it, I mentioned it's 21 inches high. This is designed on purpose to fit over a computer monitor. So this way, you can maximize desk space by pushing it up in behind your computer monitor mm. and highlighting your tabletop or a keyboard. Uh, it folds down almost flat, so this way you can store it away if preferred or transport it for room-to-room pretty easily. And it comes out of the box ready to use immediately, so there's no difficult setup or assembly. There's a few other, I guess, smaller features, depending on who you speak to. Uh, there's a 90-degree plug that avoids fraying if it's pushed up against a wall. There's a multi-layer diffuser as well, so there's no hot spots or shadows under the light. And it has rubber pads for grip just to keep it from sliding. Or Very So good. they thought of everything. They did, especially when you t- talk about it being expanded or being able to put it in that space and not have it take up too much. Absolutely wonderful things there. Uh, let's talk right. about the thing everybody loves to know about, Ryan, the cost and where can we get for it? For sure. For sure. So the cost is $399 and it's only available through our customers, including CNIB. So you can easily contact CNIB Smart Life directly at 1-866-659-1843, or you can visit their website. The lamp's on their website at www.cnibsmartlife.ca. Now, you mentioned that there is, you know, more than one model of the Elementus. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to say in comparison or, you know, how often Eschenbach puts out things like this, which I mentioned is more of a low-tech solution than, you know, our video magnifiers and Mm -hmm. other things that we think of when we think of Eschenbach? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, So we actually introduced three lights in the last year and a half. And the first two that we introduced were from a third-party supplier. So we kind of chose the best lamp um, for those uses that we felt we would see in our market. And so we have the Magno Lumina Max lamp. It's both a floor and desk lamp. And so we don't have a floor lamp quite yet in the Elementus design. Um, but that one has that uh, gooseneck you were mentioning. So if somebody prefers that sort of design, uh, it has a lot of the similar features in terms of the adjustability of brightness and temperature. And then the Magno Travel Lamp uh, is, is, is a pretty popular lamp as well. It's a battery-powered lamp, but it's nice and lightweight, and it doubles as a flashlight. So you mm. can use it to help orient yourself and then toss it in your bag and bring it with you wherever you're going. So. Uh, a lot of choice. Isn't that a a brilliant idea? Because um, I think oftentimes we, of course, know how to optimize our situations at home, right? When everything is stationary, you come into your workspace and you know what that's going to feel like. Very familiar, very tweaked to your needs. But then you go somewhere else and you got to spend the weekend at your parents or or hotel. And you don't. You don't have the same options. And sometimes Mm -hmm. all you need is that optimal lighting, 
and you can't yeah, it's, necessarily it's have very it. true. Yeah, very true. I hear this well, over especially and over hotels again. and things like that, eh, Ryan, because you can't just go yeah. moving every lamp around or pulling the shades off and say, I need more light in here. <laughs> we try our best. Or just to find everything when you get in there. Where the heck are these lamps? What do you mean you can't accommodate this? Okay. Yeah, I never know exactly. how to work all the switches. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much. Uh, we learned how to pronounce the Elementus lamp and now we know much more about it. Appreciate your time and have a good holiday season. Thank you. Happy holidays to you both as well. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Ryan. We were speaking with Ryan Heaney, National Sales Manager for Canada under Eschenbach, and we were talking about the Elementus lamp. Nice. I like it. Um, I, I still think probably it's more light than I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool. But with, with the vision I have left, yeah. I'd love it for about five months and say, ah, it really doesn't do a lot for me. But it's just it's kind of a neat thing. And I love when, as you mentioned, the lower tech idea, the, the cost. Mm. So really great. We'll step aside for a couple of moments, folks. When we return on Know Your Rights today, Danielle McLaughlin has a conversation with a uh, with Professor Ron Buling today on the show. We're going to be talking about how to make cities more accessible. Stay tuned. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. I know, I know, folks, it's a bad habit of ours. Welcome back to the program. Kelly McDonald here, Ramya Muthan over there at the Toronto studio. I'm talking about the habit of continuing great conversations, great content, lots of information. I can go on and on, but that's boasting then if you do that. that <laughs> then, then you become a show-off, right? Uh, always having so much fun on the program. We're here weekdays at 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on MITV. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on MI Audio, repeated on both networks at 10 p.m. Eastern time. However you're enjoying the show, folks, we appreciate it. We'll tell you a little later on how to check out the Kelly and Rumbia podcast. We hope that you do, and check the show out at your leisure. On uh, Mondays, we welcome in Danielle McLaughlin for Know Your Rights. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Interesting conversation ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Danielle, we welcome you back to the show. You have a great guest with us, and it's something that means so much to each of us and is very, I, I feel, individual. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Lovely to, to speak with you again, Kelly and Ramya. And I'm very pleased that today we have a special guest with us. Professor Ron Buling teaches at the University of Toronto, Mississauga in the Department of Geography, Geomatics and the Environment. And Ron specializes in disability studies. Welcome to Kelly and Ramya, Ron. Uh, thanks very much, Danielle. It's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a great pleasure. I have to, before we start asking you all the many questions I, I have thought of, how did you get into this area of study? Well, um, <clears throat> that's a that's a fantastic question and a great way to start. Um, you know, uh, I, I, my research um, has uh, for a long time focused on the experiences of children and youth in cities. Um, and I've, I've always been concerned with uh, questions of uh, equity, uh, access to uh, experience and so on. Um, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, my youngest child was born 
with a degenerative neuromuscular disease. And um, that kind of um, um, changed the way that I look at cities. And, you know, this is kind of a common experience that I think some folks have. I, I also have my own um, uh, personal issues happening with some acquired stuff. And, um, you know, we could go on and, and talk about disability identity and um, uh, acquired disability and, and, and other things. But, um, I mean, that's to make a long story short, that's sort of what really uh, got me motivated to, to really turn my attention exclusively to looking at sort of disability in the city. Well, it's such an important issue, particularly for our audience. But, you know, as my, my friends at Kelly and Ramia know, I always refer to myself as a TAB, a temporarily able-bodied person. So right. I think that it's important for every one of us. Um, I recently read an article, and that was the reason that I contacted you, that you had written in the journal The Conversation, and it was regarding the so-called 15-minute city can you explain right. what that is and, and what you think of the concept? Sure. Um, if if I could just sort of go back to your your first question, just really briefly, I think it's really important that I also note that you know I, I I'm I'm not a proxy for my my daughter's experience. No. Um, I I come to this conversation as as the parent of a disabled child, um, and and I think that's that's really important. Um, the the 15 minute city. Well, you know, it basically is. Uh, uh, the idea of building uh, neighborhoods and cities in such a way that everything, not everything, but the essential things that you need on a daily basis are accessible within 15 minutes uh, by foot or by bicycle. And um, what concerned me was going back and reading the original uh, text on the 15-minute city was that the, 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 the uh, um, work doesn't include the word disability at all. Um, and and I know that's a problem. <laughs> I know that uh, if we're not talking about disability at the very start, we're very likely to get it wrong when we start building anything, um, and disability is not likely to be represented well in the end. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that that uh, that's that's something that many people have experienced that that add on, and also the fact that people with disabilities have been left out of you know fifteen minutes. For whom? Um, and it's a big question. Now, I understand that your article in which you uh, were critical of that concept of the 15-minute city, that you, you received some negative feedback. Can you tell us a little about what, what happened? Well, you know, you know, I'm okay with that. I, I kind of view it as, as useful feedback. I think that, that if, it, if it touched a nerve, uh, good, so be it. A nerve needed to be touched. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of these uh, sort of what I call the N-minute city concepts floating around. And what I'm trying to do is insert uh, disability into the center of that conversation about city building for uh, uh, climate change, uh, adaptation, resilience, and so on. Um, and so, you know, what sort of happened, and this can sometimes happen, is people have a you know foregone conclusion about a concept, and so they want to get their uh, their points out there, and that and that's totally fine. Um, you know, some folks were arguing against things that I didn't even say. Um, I, I <laughs> well, that happens no a lot on social media, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with the idea of compact cities. I've been studying cities for for decades now, and I know that like having things close at hand isn't a terrible idea. But what's the point of having something close at hand if you can't even get in the door, right? 
Um, and uh, I, I think one of the other things that I appreciated from the folks that were commenting was the and and uh, is is the ways in which the embodied and uh, embodied experience of disability and the politics of disability are very diverse, right? So, like something that works for one person may not work for another person. Mm-hmm. Um, just like everyone else, uh, uh, the the um, there's a lot of uh, range and scope in how folks are reacting to this concept. Um, yeah, and I think uh, did no, you have the, people who actually the, dislike the idea of including people with disabilities in a city's design? Well, I think they kind of missed the point, really. I mean, the the fact is, we have we there's been a lot of progress in terms of uh, disability civil rights legislation. You know, we, we can come up with a long list in the US and Canada in particular. Um, there's been a lot of progress in Ontario with um, with the uh, creating a framework to possibly create more accessible cities and more accessible transportation systems. But even, even then, when, we, when we're compliant with these things, they, the outcome doesn't work for everyone. The definition of disability is too narrow. The, the interventions um, are, are not necessarily implemented in, in, a, in, a, in a timely uh, fashion. And so I think part of the issue is that uh, there are folks who kind of think the work is done. Yeah. Like the ADA is there, AOTA is there. What's left to do? Well, there's a lot left to do. <laughs> and Absolutely. You know, I, I have a laundry <laughs> list of examples of where things have gone horribly wrong or completely stalled. Yeah, so. well, we recently uh, spoke with David Lepofsky uh, on, on this show in our Know Your Rights segment, and he certainly, I think, agrees with you that that things uh, really need need, need work. Um, and also just getting the reports on them is, is difficult enough. You know, mm-hmm. people who um, aren't themselves disabled or don't live with somebody with a disability often think that the mobility of people with disabilities is a them problem. Why is it really an us problem? Well, I, let me just start by um, addressing the the use of the word problem and disability in the same sentence, right? Um, ah. Because this is a, a, a you know, let, let's just clarify what we're talking about here. We're not, we're not saying that a disabled person is a problem. We're not saying that disability is a problem no. uh, to be solved through some technical or s- solution or what, what have you. I mean, disability is very much a part of uh, one's one's identity. Um, there's also like a lot of range in terms of how people identify. Um, there's the, the language conversation around person first and identity first language. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, us versus them. Well, I think about this in, in, in many, many different ways. Um, if we, if we, uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is, well, the, well, the, to use your language of the question, well, the us can become them, right? Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about uh, as we age, um, people who uh, acquire a particular injury and so on. So what, you know, I've been spending a lot of time reading uh, biographies of disability activists and looking at the history of disability activism. And, you know, you do see this relatively consistent um, conversation or um, observation by folks who uh, had an acquired injury, which kind of place them in the disability community talking about, well, you know, I didn't really think about disability until something happened to me. I didn't really think about it until something happened to me or something happened to a family member. You know, my way of thinking, and, you know, and, and, and I, you know, count myself among those folks. And 
And I'm like, well, you know, no matter how you get in, into the community or uh, how you get to be uh, sort of um, an advocate within the community, um, it, in some ways is immaterial. We need we need as many people as we can get. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and, and thinking about us versus them. Well, look, uh, um, we're all included in things like charter rights, the Canadian Human Rights Code, the Ontario Human Rights Code, um, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, that that we're all in this together. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about, because it, it's a really interesting question, um, uh, you know, of course, there's the conversation about universal design, and, mm. and there is a critical discourse about universal design. The idea of designing d- disabled identity out of spaces is, 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 is also troubling. Um, but uh, the general public discourse on this is, is, is that if you design for disability, there are spillovers to everyone, right? So if for we sure. make a place work for my daughter in her power wheelchair, then, then someone using any number of the wheeled devices that we use to shuttle kids around uh, will also benefit, right? Um, kneeling buses are great for people with strollers and so on and so forth. But that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because it's the law, because it's the right thing to do, and we need to be making our uh, cities um, accessible. It, it also occurred to me that, you know, as, as someone who, you know, if you're paying uh, municipal property tax, where do you want your dollars to go? Do you want your dollars to go towards... Um, obsolete inaccessible infrastructure or do you want your dollars to go into future forward accessible infrastructure um you know the future is accessible uh that's where we need to be making our investments and so on um yeah what do we do about the fact that we've got some you know old built environments that are not accessible and then when um, governments or institutions try to add on to that built environment in order to make it more accessible. They don't do a very good job. Uh, you know, they they might make it accessible for one group of people and inaccessible for for a different group. You know, how can we address this sort of a problem? And this is what I meant when I said problem, not the people, but yeah. but the institutions and the environments. Yeah. No, no, I, I I understood what you meant by by problem, and I I wasn't um, um, taking on your no, conceptual. No, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we should just clear the air on that on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, look, I mean, an older building. Let's look at an older building. There are a few things, different things that can happen, and this is very common in in big institutions like the university, mm-hmm. where you you add a, a significant modern addition onto an existing uh, historical property. Um, of course, all of that. Um, space, if it meets a particular requirement in terms of the sort of intensity and the scope of the project, needs to be compliant with, and we're talking about Ontario here, so I'm just going to focus on Ontario, needs to comply with the barrier-free access uh, standards in the Ontario Building Code, uh, Section 3.8, and accessibility is elsewhere in the Building Code, but also the Integrated Accessibility Standard Regulation, which is derived from AOTA, and so on and so forth. So what you get is compliance, minimum compliance with a particularly narrow definition of dis- disability. Um, you know, mm-hmm. David Onley, in, 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 uh, his, he did a five-year uh, review. Uh, the, sorry, he did a review of AOTA. One of the things they're talking about is like broadening the scope of the definition of disability. And, and you know, that could help if you see a, a trickle down into um, uh, requirements. 
Um, the other thing that could happen is, is what, you know, what do you do with the old space? Right. Yeah. Um, we have to wait around for disabled people to form a coalition to file a human rights complaint in order to have access to a public institution. Well, sadly, it would appear that, you know, more often than not, that happens to be the case, particularly when we're looking at urban transportation um, <laughs> and the buildings that that uh, serve urban transportation systems. Um, so that it, you know, older buildings, like our cities are old, we have aging infrastructure, it makes retrofit necessary. And unfortunately, the contemporary legislation around accessibility isn't, isn't uh, exceptionally good at dealing with the retrofit problem. Um, and then you run up with, you know, the, there's the heritage argument, right. historically, historically significant buildings and so on. But honestly, you know, Hart House, uh, uh, Gothic architecture at U of T, they, they have a they have a ramp to get in the building. Um, it, it doesn't take away from the um, aesthetic, historical aesthetic properties of the place. Uh, we know what to do. There are really smart people in uh, the design space who can who can work towards make making buildings work for more people, particularly older. Well, buildings. listen, I I think that that's really important, and I think getting the the whole issue of ableism out of the uh, the, the structural design would be another conversation that we can have in in the future. At the moment, I'm sorry that we're out of time, but I really appreciate your joining us today. No, it was, a, it was a great pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. That was Professor Ron Buehling of the Department of Geography, Geomatics and Environment at the University of Toronto, speaking with us today about disability and our cities. And making us realize, Danielle, how we just all need to be part of that community that at some point or another, as we've heard, we will be. So uh, really engaging conversation, one I was looking forward to. Thanks so much, Kelly. We will we will march on and hear from as many voices on this as we can. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. And thank Ron. Really wonderful segment. If you missed it, folks, check it out. Subscribe via the podcast, and you can enjoy it there. You can listen to the segment or the complete podcast experience. Rummy and I will step aside for a couple of minutes. When we return, let's see what's going on on the program now with Dave Brown. You can find that on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. in the morning. We'll tell you a little bit about our show and give you an interesting closing moment. Hint to you, the hint. Run, Rudolph, run. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Thanks for being with us, folks. Keep you for another couple of minutes as we wrap things up on the program. A little note, one thing we haven't got to, Brock Richardson, commenting to Ramya and I that on the top of the beginning of the show, warning us about kind of how to handle our foods, take our time, make sure we don't skip meals, get a lot of vegetables in, things like that, but be kind to ourselves. And uh, he was happy because the mindfulness referred to in the item did not mention desserts, but like Rum pointed out, it's yeah. an understood, it's like the understood you, Gotta Brock. Be. You, be careful. You watch the desserts. You, Brock. Oh, no, we all watch the desserts. But yeah, I mean, it's not its own category, right? Oftentimes we think of it as its own food group, but it is a last part of our meals. So years ago, we used to have a lot of volunteers over at AMI. Okay. Um, and they would come in, and at Christmas time, we loved it. 
because they would bring goodies in mm. all the time. Boxes, those boxes where you have the variety of can chocolates, like they're, they're cookies, but they're more chocolatey kind of cookies, and they're just two layers of cookies. And it was ridiculous. You couldn't, you, you, you tell yourself, no, no, don't go down there again. Don't get out of the, stay out of the kit. Don't go down oh, on my feet or they're, they're walking on their own. I'll get a tea and five Was cookies. this like dipped in chocolate? Yeah, they were like, I and they were different shapes, like um, yeah. like the, those round ones, like cigar shapes. Uh, then you had the, just different kinds. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I pick out cigar. They were kind of, you know, and they were cookie, but they were, oh, so good. And then you'd finish that box, you'd be sad, oh, that's the end of that one. And you'd go away, come back later, and another one oh, would be sitting goodness. there. Oh, my goodness. Who is doing Folks, this to us? <laughs> I don't know, somebody who kept saying, I think it's funny watching you eat ridiculous. I wonder if you're getting sick. Um, tomorrow, Dave Brown's program. Now with Dave Brown on the network on AMI-TV beginning at 9 a.m. in the morning. Rum, what do they have for us? Yep, here's what's coming up on Tuesday. Contributor Anna Kim is discussing the Canadian Pacific Kansas holiday train. And nice. it's re began its cross-border journey in November and continues up to December 19th. So she's going to tell us more about it. It's the 25th anniversary of the, cane, uh, the train. And they're, of course, always taking donations for people who struggle with food insecurity and other things in that sense. Uh, sales of electric vehicles have soared the past couple of years in, in Canada. A recent survey shows that majority of Canadians are still kind of skeptical about buying these electric vehicles. Lawrence Gunther, host of Outdoors, will tell us what incentives we can use to encourage more people, more Canadians, to buy more electric vehicles. And, of course, it's Tuesday, so they have the weekly news quiz with Dave Brown, Brock Richardson is going to be there. And uh, I don't know who else. I feel like they need a third contestant, but we don't know who. It's just surprise <laughs> contestant number three. Yeah, for sure. And the holiday train, as I, I refer to it as still the CP holiday train. I talk about it on the vanity card today. You can oh, find that via our long version, the full show of the podcast uh, by subscribing using your favorite podcatcher. And do the same for now with Dave Brown, folks, while you're in there. And remember them on the air at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Uh, well, this is our closing moment, folks. Police in Toms River, New Jersey, dubbed a deer uh, Rudolph. This guy showed up at Cedar Grove Elementary School and ran through the halls. Don't don't we all do that? He's just being a kid. He broke into the school and led authorities on a chase through the halls. A resident reported to police that they witnessed this deer breaking through a glass Aww. window sort of like those rowdy kids on the night before Halloween, at Cedar Grove Elementary. And entering the school, body cam footage shows responding officers inside the school with flashlights chasing the deer down the hall into a classroom. And inside oh, the classroom, dear. you can see on the video that was made, the deer wreaking havoc, uh, running around the bookshelf, knocking everything over. Ryan Huey waving him, trying to get him to get the heck out of the classroom, get him out the door. Kidding. He was trying to evade arrest, they felt. They opened the rear door, officers did, to direct him out, and away he went. He was last seen heading north. Now, on Instagram, the police wrote the following, adding that no reindeer were injured during <laughs> filming. Awesome I officers. Just, I feel like they should have been a bit more gentle, like uh, slowly maneuver the deer out, because the chasing sounds kind of wild, no? Deer are already very terrified creatures. Gentle souls. And the flashlight, like, like, it's so the flashlights, extreme. like, here, here, you know? Oh, like, <laughs> I was thinking yeah. more like deer in headlights flashlighting. Shoo! Oh, Shoot, God. I love it. Um, I'm sure they had a great cleanup, a great laugh, replacing the window, and saw Rudolph. Notice? 
Yeah. Northbound. I know. Back from I home. know. Wow. Cute. <laughs> Tomorrow on our program, we have a nutrition chat, of course, and we're going to be talking about healthy and tasty ways to bake with legumes. Ah, part two of the chili convo, it sounds like to me. No, 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 that's yep. not even going to yep. be anywhere near yep. that. It's going to be during, some tasty food. <laughs> during our parenting chat, Lucia Belafonte is talking about parents being able to embrace kindness and patience during themselves or towards themselves and towards their children during the holidays. Yeah, during the Tough holidays, during themselves, whatever it is, right? Wow. Folks, Fedora's off to you. Have a wonderful night. Rum and I return tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. One of the fun things to do at Christmas time that I've had the, the chance to take in is the holiday train. We've talked about it on the show, and when I was a reporter for AMI-TV, I remember going and covering it twice. Uh, at the junction in Toronto, and then I believe it was in Oshawa. And it was so much fun. It was different. I mean, they used two trains to do this and have these cars go across. I know it recently was here in London, Ontario. Um, it, it moves pretty early, but it, what a way to get you into the field. What a way to contribute to the food banks across Canada. I believe that's their general recipient. And the CP holiday train is just so much fun. But how to shoot it? How to shoot it for an audience like myself that's low vision. At that time, I could see a bit more, but I've never been able to see the colors of lights. So for me, I could see the lights, the ones that weren't red or, or orange pretty well. Um, that disappeared because I'm colorblind. But all these lights, I could get that feel for it. And it is a tough thing because you think of these journeys and how you'd love someone standing there telling you, what it's like. And I know a lot of people out there who can see are saying, yeah, but what good is that for, for blind people? Well, more of us are low vision and have some concept. Those who are totally blind, a lot of them have actually at one time or another been able to see and can conceive it. So I think when you get things into that perspective, it really is a wonderful thing even just to know I know when I have people reading books to me, especially when I was a kid, the images I'd create before we had really the talking books or before I knew of them, um, and then in, when I started to listen to talking books, which now we know as audio books, those descriptions, as funny as it seems, even things I couldn't necessarily grasp, helped me understand the world, helped me understand how people spoke or saw the world. And I think now as we talk about pictures being described by AI for us, you kind of get the rhythm because I find a lot of that description, and we've, again, talked about this on the show when Christine's been with us, I find it's kind of the same way authors write their descriptions in books. So wherever you are, I, I'm not quite sure when the holiday chain comes to an end, but whether you're in the States or Canada, hopefully you've had that chance or put it certainly on, on your list to do next year and contribute and have some fun with the entertainment and the way they put this thing together. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know there's all sorts of light displays around and every low vision and blind community out there that gets out and wants to take part in things like this could use a J.J. Hunt a first-class describer to tell you what's going on or just to give you that look, that image in your mind, that picture, if we were all lucky enough to have one. Um, it's really an experience, and hopefully you have that person in your world that is good at giving description, knows what you kind of want, what you don't want, and boy, what a way to sip hot chocolate, stand outside the holiday train or in a park where the light displays are, and enjoy that part of Christmas. 
Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.